to the ninth episode of the BPD Bunch talk show. We have a panel of people who are in functional recovery from borderline personality disorder. And each week, a few of us get together to discuss BPD-related topics to help give you insights into the different ways BPD can be expressed in someone's life. We also cover the different paths we followed on our recovery journeys to help give you hope and direction for your own. For our first season, we've been talking about each of the nine BPD symptoms, our experiences with them, and what's helped us overcome them. I'm your host, Zanny, and today I am here with Andrea, Jay, Georgette, and Andre. How's everybody doing today? Fantastic. Good. I'm all right. Splendiferous is my word. Splendiferous. Splendiferous. Yeah. Splendiferous. So today we're going to talk about the eighth symptom listed in the DSM-5 inappropriate intense anger or difficulty controlling anger and this is my absolute favorite i will admit this and i I mean favorite not in like a positive way but that this is the symptom that i feel like i have always gravitated towards as a way to protect myself it's kind of like my go-to so that's what i mean when i say favorite it's like my it's like, it's, that's my comfort symptom in a really messed up way because anger to me, it's it, like I said, it's protective. It's it whenever I would have felt shame, guilt, sadness, fear, I just got angry. Anger mm-hmm. made me feel powerful because, because it, you know, it, it feels almost like fire in your veins. Right. And And there's something about being so intensely angry and just raging that I felt like nothing could touch me and nothing could hurt me. I wasn't really honest with myself, right? Like that anger wasn't, wasn't the primary emotion. It was the secondary emotion. It was the thing that came up to protect me from feeling shame and guilt and sadness and fear and those are the things that are really needed to be accessing. I've never been arrested, but I did have the police called on me for making threats to people. I like hid in the closet and cried because I was like, I didn't, I didn't mean it the way that, that people took it. I just, I just, I just wanted people to understand me and they didn't understand me. And I'll, for some reason, I'm starting to get emotional right now thinking about it. Hmm. Because, yeah. because it was, I was, I know, like that anger really was just like a shield that I was just desperately trying to keep my soft little fifis, my little gentle heart safe. And it's so difficult because anger, anger comes across, whether you use your fists or you use your words, it comes across as so violent. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so hard, I think, dealing with the aftermath of that. Like, it's, you know, I was trying to protect myself from shame, but in a way I almost, like, was creating the situations where I had to deal with it because after I was angry, then I had to deal with the shame of not only whatever activated the anger, but the anger also. It's really protective, but at the same time, it can bring a lot of shame. More than any other symptom, I've had that anger response as far back as I can remember, since I was a very small child, just, ah, oh, the rage. Um, and it, mine never manifested itself necessarily like physically. I wouldn't hit people or anything. Um, 
wrecked a lot of walls, punched a lot of holes in a lot of walls. Have been, have been arrested for um, just having a public freakout, being angry. Um, as a kid, I was a small, you know, I was a small, weak, sensitive, artistic kid, and I didn't have any place to put it at that point because there was no there's nowhere to go. So it just carried over into just having a bad temper. I've been so much better about it a lot. Um, probably to my detriment. There are times when I should be angrier about things. And am I justified in being angry about this? It's a constant question. Because when you've had that response for so long and then you get done... You know, you've, you've popped that bubble and all the rage is out. And then you have a chance to think about it. Then the shame comes in. And the shame destroys you. I mean, I would get, I would have an anger episode and I would be completely useless for a week. I would feel that I didn't deserve to enjoy anything. Um, that, was oh, yeah. that was a powerful thing, Jay, because there were certain parts of, um what you said just now which resonated with me um as you said earlier on to iterate the anger thing was something that has always been in me from a young age and my grandmother um what loved to remind me that i used to be a bit of a biter when i was little <laughs> like i was one of those little kids out of nowhere where i'd get so angry that i couldn't even vocalize or, or anything so i would just bite people this isn't always true, but I think it's a thought that, well, the boys uh, may be a bit stronger, especially if you're a strong-willed guy. Um, you, I think a lot of us have been disciplined very hard, harshly as a, as a youngster. And that then can often translate into how we view um, things like anger and discipline ourselves. Because I, I, I really believe that I didn't know what a gentle discipline was um, growing up in not just my family culturally because it, it was very much that like um speak when you're spoken to and respect your elders and blah 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 so everything wasn't about you it was about you being almost subservient to others so that only potentially um fed into the inappropriate um anger that manifested later on because it was almost like a volcano which um just gradually would bubble and then without someone to show you these things, plus having a diagnosis, which at that age, most of us would have been unaware of, you know, how do you deal with it? And I describe myself almost as relating to the character called Darth Vader in, in Star Wars. Um, if you don't know the story, certain things happen to this young man and he gets he turns from being a goodie to a baddie. And I kind of feel like when I discovered um, asking for help, was at that catalyst point where I was either going to turn fully into that baddie or I was going to choose another path. And I remember as a consequence, I painted my little Darth Vader that Marie, my friend got me, I painted him white instead of the, the black one, just to show that, that there's a difference in change. In the story, I know it's fictional, but it's very relevant. This young man thought that he was the good guy. And right up until the very end, he, he thought that his outbursts, his, his um, irrational um, anger, he thought they were all for the greater good, but they were actually leading him more and more down a, a darker path. And that, in essence, I think, is the story of 
a lot of us with this um, um, BPD, EUPD diagnosis, when we're actually manifesting that anger, we think we're the good guys and we're doing it for the good reason. And it's only now looking back on my past behavior that I could think, wow, I really was that dark stranger. <laughs> I really mm. love that description because I have often related to the villain in stories also, not because I like want to go down that path, but because I can see, I understand how they get from, from that pain and suffering and mm -hmm. shame and all of that to, mm. to acting in this, this sort of way. And exactly as Andre said, like, in the times when I've sent like someone a really angry, nasty email, I, in that moment, really believed that I was standing up for myself and protecting myself from someone who was behaving badly. Um, and there may have been a kernel of truth in that. Like, I, I don't, I really don't believe that our, even our anger outbursts, they don't come from nowhere. They're activated by something. Um, but I think the the challenge is the 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 um, the degree to which it can kind of spiral out of control, right? Like me sending someone a nasty email and saying, "You're a psycho freak," you know, "You hurt me, how dare you?" Blah blah blah. Versus saying, you know, I could send another email that says, "Hey, you know, the interaction we had left me feeling this way, and I want to resolve the." You know, like there are a lot of different ways to communicate that. Yeah. So my takeaway point is, if you find that you lash out quite a lot, don't look at yourself as being, you know, a hard case or this and that. Look at yourself as someone who's gripped in the throes of fear. Because when I was young, I was a very scared child because I didn't understand a lot of what was going on around me. I came to the UK from a different place, different cultures. Everywhere I moved, it was stuff that I didn't understand. So again, like I said, my go-to thing is, just try to replace the words anger with the word fear and you will soon see how your behavior is, is driven from a very different place than, than, than how you thought it was. And then you might feel that there's not a need to defend yourself, but a need to understand yourself. Mm. I think that's such a good point. Zanny said a couple of things that uh, kind of got me thinking, like whenever you're talking about the email writing, like over time, I would do that all the time. I would just let people have it through text, writing and stuff like that. And just for the viewers out there, if you're if you're one of those people, I can't express enough how good it is to actually write it out. And, and I've been given this advice lots. And I'm like, why would I spend my time writing that and then delete it? But it works. Oh gosh, does it work? I still do it to this day. Like I will write and write and write all these things that I'm thinking because I'm upset and then I'll just save it and I just won't send it or I'll delete it. And I'm like, ah, cause I just needed to get it out, which is usually what anger wants to do is get out. So what was the symptom like for you? Oh gosh. Um, Andre, you talked about fighting. I guilty of that as well. I went through a period of time where it was worse than others. You know, I'd like, I wrecked my entire house. Like I did not care because I felt like promises were broken. And I was just like, none of this matters because it was all a big lie. And, you know, looking back on that particular anger outburst, it just, 
you know, it, it just, it makes me sad because it's like, I could have, the way I could have responded could have been so much different. I don't know if, if the person would have allowed me to respond in a different way because we were both really toxic people at the time, but um, that one really speaks to me. But overall, I feel like anger for me is, it's always, I don't, when I was little, I don't know where I got this from, but I always thought my feelings were in my arms. And so I don't know, I don't know where I got that from. So when I felt like you hurt my feelings, I would, I would say like, you, you hurt my feelings and I would rub my arms. And I just remember that's where we always start. And so I still, to this day, like I, I, I hug myself when I feel hurt, you know, if I'm alone and I'm not getting angry, but that's kind of where I, I, I start to kind of like feel things is like in my arms. Andrew, what you just said, it's like, it's just my brain's ticking, ticking. Georgette, because I had this thought, but I want you to answer it because my brain can't think. Do you think it tends to hurt you more when the people um, that you get into conflict seem to be the ones that you think are going to support you? And do you find that that triggers you more than strangers? Yeah, I do. Um, if it's somebody that I know, I have way less control because I feel like I don't let a lot of people in to my like innermost thoughts and feelings. I can be really private about that just because I think that they, I have like, I hold a lot of shame and um, being open and sharing that with people. It's like almost like, you know, opening your, your actual like body cavity to expose your beating heart, you know? So if somebody were to touch that, the reaction is absolutely volcanic explosion because that sensitivity is so much. So yes. So in answer to your question, um, Andre, somebody close to me, um, my reaction is like times 11. I grew up in a house where anger was really kind of the only acceptable emotion. Uh, my dad is, he kind of permanently looks grumpy, even though he may not necessarily be grumpy. So I grew up with a lot of like kind of angry around me, even though I wouldn't say my household was overly angry, but I was a super, super sensitive like I'm a little baby sensitive, but I put on this really tough exterior because I'm I'm ashamed of how sensitive I am and how easy it is to hurt my feelings. And I feel a lot of shame around feelings of sadness, of hurt. Um, those feel so shameful to me that I I know that I cover it with like an easy anger. For me, I know it comes from like trying to protect myself, um, but it comes out super, super inappropriate. And I've always been, I can be very quick to anger and I know it's a secondary emotion now, but I grew up thinking that that was a, that's an, an emotion that's okay to express. And, um, I was afraid of expressing anything else. I used to be ashamed of myself for crying at movies, but getting really angry, like you, as Annie said, it, it runs through your veins. You feel powerful. You feel like, um, you know, what do you do with hurt and shame and sadness? You can do so much with anger, right? You can get out your sword. You can like attack. You can. So for me, it came, you know, my experience with anger is as a protective thing, as an emotion that didn't cause me to feel shame, except now I realize how much 
shame I have after I've acted out of anger. But at the time, it doesn't feel shameful. My anger can be very, very cruel. And it's not with fists, it's with words. And I will go for the jugular. It's almost like, what was that video game where it was like finishing move and they grab the person's head and rip out their spine? Yeah, so that's like that. I When I get angry, and, and it is with people who are closest to me, because I feel like how... How could you hurt me so badly? And my reaction is like, I will rip off your head and take your spine, like finishing move. <laughs> and, you know, because it it, it hides yeah. that, it protects me and hides that deep, deep hurt that, that it's, it's really masking. I, first of all, I love <laughs> that description. Uh, you know, uh, I feel like that really intense reaction is, absolutely the same for me like the the closer someone is to me it's like well you should know that this would hurt me so therefore if Mm. you're doing this you're doing it on purpose so I'm gonna retaliate yeah yeah that's always been my belief yeah well it's it's, for me it's also almost like the shock of like I there are so few people in this world that I have allowed myself to be really open with like I've Mm. shown you like the flesh of my beating heart and with no Girl. protective layer and the fact that then mm. you would say or do something to like hurt that it's almost like I have this like you need to die like I'm not you know what I mean like the it, yeah. it just becomes this huge like how dare you you are one of so few people how dare you hurt me like that like I need to eliminate you, <laughs> you know, and it's not, not physically. It's verbally. Andrea. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always crying in these shows. <laughs> okay. It touches it's a lot of really emotional Wonderful. stuff. It just makes me mad because it's just like, I, I am a person. I do not, this is going to sound so backwards. I, I love like to, to be touched, like, like, like hugged and stuff like that. And I, I lack that so much in my life. There's only been two people in my life that have offered that to me. One of them's passed away. And so now in my life, like if somebody wants to like comfort me or reach out in a hug, if I'm sad, I'm just like, you're, do not do that. Get away from me. Because I feel like that's opening like a door of you getting to know me of, you know, you coming into my world and and you're not going to do that because the second I let you do that is the second I'm going to start talking to you, opening up to you, la la la. And then if that happens and then you say something that's going to hurt me, like all hell breaks loose after that. But like, yeah, it just, it, it hurts so bad. And it's just like, why would you say something like that would be just so painful. So I, tend to gravitate towards people. I mean, my circle is small anyway, um, that are not emotional. Thank God. Don't be emotional with me. Like it, that's what's better for me. And that's not what's better for me. I, you know, deserve something better, but you know, that's, that's just kind of, that's my protective dome. Like you were saying, Andre earlier, like I've got that glass dome around me and I've got that power and you're not going to cross it. I was just going to say the trouble with glass is that because it is such a fragile subject, if it looks like someone's about to smash it, you have to do everything in your power to protect it. 
So that glass stone is probably a better analogy than the brick one that I used. So Andy, you were saying something and then I interrupted, then you and I, I, got, I lost where yeah. we were. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So there, there are just a few other things that I, I wanted to touch on before we talk about management. And one is that like, there is this misconception because like, I know a lot of you have talked about like anger in your household or being exposed to a lot of anger. And there are a lot of people who think that like, that is necessarily how somebody becomes to be this way. Um, and that is not the case, right? Like I grew up in a family where my parents have never yelled at each other once that I can remember. I've been yelled at only a few times in my life. So like anger in this like ragey, loud way, I wasn't exposed to that. You know, like Georgette was saying, like that was an appropriate emotion in her household. It was not appropriate in my household. And yet I still, yet I still ended up the way that I did. And so I just wanted to put that out there that like there are a lot of different ways in which we can develop this. It's not necessarily that it was taught to us by our, our environment in a direct way. Sometimes it's just like, like I think in my case, I I pushed people away by being angry and that made me feel safe. And because that made me feel safe, I kept doing it. It wasn't something that someone taught me. I just wanted to make that 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 clear. And the other thing is that we're talking a lot about anger as a secondary emotion. Anger can be a primary emotion. There are a lot of completely valid reasons to be angry. Um, in DBT, we talk about like the purpose of emotions, and one of the purposes of of anger is like is a react is like when an important goal of yours is being blocked, for example. Yeah, anger is an appropriate emotion sometimes. They do talk about that in DBT. Like it's not always a secondary emotion. Um and that it's important, like, because it is, it is a protective thing still. And there's some things that it, it is appropriate to be angry about. Um, I think when you have an emotional dysregulation disorder, even when your anger is appropriate, we probably take it up to a level that might be a little bit beyond what others may take it to. Um, but I think that it definitely is sometimes, in a, you know, a, a primary emotion. But I, I do want to say, I, I don't know, I've listened like a little bit for themes. And I think the theme when we've all been speaking about our anger, like you said, it we've been talking about it as a secondary emotion. And I think that's one thing with BPD because of our our experience of emotions is so like outside of the norm that the way we experience things like hurt and sadness um, are so deep that we tend to want to protect ourselves from that. Cause I'm hearing that from each person that it, it does function oftentimes as a protective mechanism. Yeah. And not everyone with BPD experiences this symptom, right? Like a lot of people have, have like don't experience inappropriate anger. They almost have the opposite where they, they can't, they never feel like they can be angry. So yeah, even yeah. though I just wanted to put that out there too, that like, if you're watching this and, and anger hasn't been a part of your, your BPD experience, that this is just one of many symptoms, um, that, that you experience. So, um, with all that nine, said, right. Yeah. As far as management goes, I touched on this in my intro video, but, um, Emotions are, are like waves and some of them are small and pleasant and some of them are huge and will destroy everything. And anger is one of the big ones. And it's got the added danger of once the anger takes you over, 
and knocks you off balance, then it drags you under with the shame. And it takes you to the bottom and it'll drown you. It, it'll absolutely kill you. So uh, I came up with the analogy of, of surfing. Surfing angry. <laughs> um, you think of it as a wave. And when you feel it coming, you just calm. Picture yourself paddling as hard as you can. And when you feel it start to lift you up, stand up and be on top of it. Then you're in control. You're observing it. You can still observe how powerful it is and you can still be impressed by that. But it's not destructive anymore. It's, it's a conveyance. It can take you from one place to the next without hurting yourself. Um, it's not an easy thing to do at first, but it gets easier with time. In fact, my next tattoo is going to be a little angry surfer guy on my arm. <laughs> I Instead love of that. silver so surfer? Cool. No silver it's surfer. No, just an angry surfer. surfer. The angry surfer. The way I manage things now, uh, it's actually like a number of different ways. Um, one thing I started doing was breath work, somatic breath work. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. Can you give a brief description since I don't actually know what that is? Yes. Okay. So, um, somatic breath work, it's, it's about an hour or so long and it's a series of deep breaths. It's actually intended for trauma. When you like kind of focus on something that's kind of going on, something that you want to release. And when you let that breath out, like people, you're in a room with other people. I know this is sounding a little weird, but when you're in it, it's amazing. And people are crying, yelling, screaming, like breathing really deep out. Like it's super intense. It's amazing. And then everybody's just doing their own thing. And then it calms down and he's like coaching you. He's like, you know, like, what are you really seeing? Like what's been bothering you? What's going on? And then it calms down. It goes into a series of like easier breaths. And then he's like, what do you want to bring back in? What do you want to bring into the world? You know, like, what kind of person do you want to be in this world? And it's just, it's so peaceful. And that was something that I did because of man. That's how I started doing it. And it was really helpful. And then I did it, you know, for like other reasons that I just wanted to like, one being anger, I, you do hold a lot of shame and you hold a lot of guilt from ways that you've reacted, things that you've said to people, ways that you've treated people. And it's just like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to know that that was me, but it was mm -hmm. me. And I did say that and I did do that. And it's, I can't go back in time and I can't change those things, but I need to forgive myself for those moments that I went through. And that's not something that's been easy for me to do. It's taken a long time to do. Well, I loved hearing about like the somatic <laughs> breath work. You had, um, you had mentioned that you write things down and then delete it. And when you had said that, I was, that's actually one of the ways that I found to manage my anger is, um, I use the stop skill, like just don't act, like just stop, take a breath, observe and proceed mindfully. For me, a lot of times it's just that stopping, um, so that I don't act out of like extreme anger. But I've, I've gotten a lot of use out of, like you said, I'll write really nasty, angry things. And then instead of hitting send, I'll hit save. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually don't even delete it. I keep it um, because it's interesting to go back and see, like, 
when I'm in a wise mind place to go back and see that anger on the page or on the screen, it's like, wow. It also gives me a chance to see like, wow, I really went for the jugular, but I don't, I, I don't have to experience shame from it because I haven't shared it. Right. Like I haven't I actually, yeah. like I, I haven't used that destructive power. Like I've gotten it out. Like you said, you get it out of you. Um, but you, you're not on another person. So I found that is a really effective way to manage my anger in a lot of situations. So I was, I was happy to hear, I was like, oh, somebody, it works for somebody else too. Cause it, yeah, I think that when we're talking about like how, when we manage things, um, I'm all for like simple, like simple and easy to do. And like one thing to do and that writing it down is, is really powerful. Yeah, I don't do that often, but I do that. I have done that also. And I do find it's yeah. very helpful, especially if I'm like writing it out, like and sort of writing and rewriting, because then instead of this disorganized jumble of thoughts in my head, I can I can also I'm also like making an argument out on paper. And there's something mm -hmm. about that where like it the more I work on it, then I it's also easier for me to see flaws in my argument if there are some. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah. This, where is the connection between these yeah, two wait things? A second. <laughs> Maybe there isn't one, you know? That's good. I didn't even think about it that way. Cause sometimes I'll reread it. Like if I haven't deleted it, I'll reread it. Cause usually I'll go to docs and I'll write it versus a text. Yeah. And yeah. when I reread yeah. it, I'm like, who wrote this? Like that yeah. was me. I, did I that. have, I have a Google doc that I yeah. have, that I started like, I will write in the Google doc and the Google, like going back and looking at this Google doc, it's like, a, it almost has blood on the page, like the viciousness of what's in there. But again, you can see how irrational it is on the page. So I don't know, Andrew, maybe you should try keeping more of your stuff instead of deleting it. Yeah. Just don't send it. Keep it mm. to not send, don't send it. it. Andre, yeah. do you do yeah. that? Do you write things down? Writing it down as a way to self-manage doesn't seem to work for me in exactly the same way. I find writing things down a better way to express feelings of happiness or to express positive ideas. It's taken me about 20 years to learn how to understand and manage my temperament. So I don't want anyone to feel that because we're given these wonderful ideas that it's something you can do in a few months because unfortunately... <laughs> I know I've watched quite a few things online where they almost reference it as buy my book, you'll be fixed or get this journal, you'll be mm -hmm. okay. I, I literally had to do all the things. I've done anger management. I've done my own self-reflection. What I did find was studying psychology itself. I found that to be a really bountiful tool, not, not how you deal with the, the things, but how you understand the things but without feeling the shame. And I think a lot of um, inappropriate anger comes from, like we said, not being able to understand situations and the way they, they, they come across. So for me, my, my go-to thing to help me with my temperament has actually been education, reading books, reading blogs. And then first, the first craziest part was to discover someone else who had the, the same thoughts as I did or had manifested it in the same ways. So then I could think, okay, so that wasn't appropriate of me at that time. 
I need to study a bit more to understand that because I think a lot of men, and I've said this throughout the series, a, a lot of men, we're, we're told to celebrate our, our machismo, our militancy, and that we're not real men if we cannot show that killer instinct and be able to let it out when necessary. Because BPD has so many different um, variations, it's important that to understand that the healing journey can take time and my mistake at the start was feeling shame because I couldn't just heal myself after reading those first one or two books or or trying that exercise because halfway through my brain would spin out and I'd get distracted but all those little tiny quarter pieces of sick one sixteenth tiny bits of information they've now created a jigsaw puzzle in my head which is slowly filling my whole brain with how to be a better, more grounded person. I now have the sort of friends that I can tell them what I did and they can tell me that I was wrong to deal with it in that way. And the most important thing is I respect those people enough to allow them to tell me off. Whereas when I was younger, I didn't have friends that I respected enough to, to say that. So I'd be like, well, you, you obviously are not my friend. You're disrespecting me. Whereas now, if some of my friends tells me off, I, I tend to shut up and listen. And I think also the misconception with a lot of us is we seem to get triggered in only certain types of situations. So most people know me as a giant teddy bear and trying to explain to them that I've been this angry person, they look at you almost like, oh, bless you. You don't really know what anger is. You're so lovely. I'm like, yeah. If you knew what I've done oh, in my yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I get a lot too. I think one of the ways that I managed it in my early times was by destroying things. And one of the things that I try to talk about a lot is like this progression of management. And that sometimes the things that you do in your early stages of management are not the things that you want to be doing long term. But some of them are like a good in-between step. So, like, if you mm -hmm. feel like you're stuck between hurting someone physically or hurting a thing, hurting the thing is a much better alternative, right, than hurting another person. And so, like, in my moments of extreme anger, especially in my early sta earlier stages of recovery, it was a lot of breaking stuff, um, you know, smashing dishes or ripping a project to shreds. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's really helped me, paying attention to body sensations, for me, anger starts as like this energy in my chest. And as long as it doesn't move to my extremities, then I can keep a clear head. But as the second I start feeling like that energy is moving to the rest of my body, and particularly I'll get this jolt up my spine. If I, if, if I get that, I have about three seconds to get the heck out of there before I will no longer have control, like executive control. Hmm. So yeah. being really aware of how I am doing physically and what emotions like anger are doing in my body, that's made the biggest difference. And sometimes it's hard. It can be really, really awkward in situations to be like, I, bye, can't do this right now. You know, it's like, it feels weird to leave a situation mm -hmm. unfinished, but a lot of the times it's the best thing. And, and it's yeah. important, I think, also to surround ourselves with people who can work with that. Um, it's yeah. very hard. Yeah. I don't surround myself with people who can't at least accept the ways that I have to manage myself. That's been a really hard thing to realize. 
that you have to make, you have to accept that you have to make accommodations for yourself. Mm. And it can be awkward to ask for these accommodations, but you have to advocate for yourself. And mm. like you said, like you have to surround yourself with people who understand I may need to leave this situation. This yeah. is how I manage this in mm -hmm. myself. It's not asking people to make accommodations for you like, well, you can't look at me that way or you can't say these things. When when we're talking about asking for accommodations, it's saying this is how I need to manage myself by abruptly, like I may need to abruptly leave a situation. I, that's what I need in order to manage. And I just ask that if I do that, you respect that. It's more those kind of accommodations, not accommodations of yeah. the illness, accommodations of how you need to recover yourself in the illness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that you can totally learn to manage. It, anger used to rule my life. And I think that if you just take these little steps, step away from a situation, write something out, you know, rip a pillow, rip a piece of paper. It is completely manageable. It's hard, but you can do it. You really, really can. That would be my takeaway. 100%. It takes time, but it's definitely manageable. It's doable. And the people around you that are close to you that see the changes in you will appreciate it. And it does get better. And yeah, it's definitely possible to make those changes. And it's not like we're never angry, right? Like I still deal with this, this, this sensation of irrational anger, but because I, I can, I can kind of see it coming in a way that I couldn't see it before. And because I can see it mm -hmm. coming, I can kind of, it's like if somebody chucks a ball at you and you don't see it coming and it smacks you in the face, it's like, you don't know yeah. how to deal with it, but if you can see it coming, you can catch it. You can like then dodge. it's in your hands. It's like, or you can dodge it, you know, like you, you can, you can handle it. Be mindful, surf angry, never be afraid to say, I have to leave this room now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's the most powerful tool I have is I can't be in this room anymore. I gotta go. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I got to peace out. <laughs> so thank you so much, everyone, for watching. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you don't miss anything. Next week, we're going to talk about one of the hardest symptoms for me to still manage, which is dissociation. So uh, it's a good one. we'll talk about that yes. then, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.